0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm ready! Alrighty then. Yo, what's up my millennial fam? Giacomo Thlay here with another installment of Believe in Millennial Nostalgia. Now, in the early 2000s, reality TV was king. Shows were popping up left and right on every network you can imagine, but it was the one granddaddy of them all that really put reality TV on the map during this time. This is American Idol. American Idol debuted on Fox on June 11, 2002. For seven straight years, American Idol was the most watched television program in America it started off pretty humble that summer. The first episode drew in about 9.9 million viewers, but by the end of the season, when Kelly Clarkson took it all, at least 40 million people nationwide were tuning in for that, myself included. Now, I didn't get into reality TV until I tuned in to the finale of American Idol. Now, I didn't watch any of the rest of season one, but I kept hearing about it. So nine-year-old me tuned into Fox to see the season finale of American Idol. And when you hear Kelly Clarkson's rendition of a moment like this in that finale, it really makes you want to tune in and see what other talent is out there. I know for me, as a kid, I got emotional. I didn't know who these people were. This was literally the first time I ever seen any of them in my life. But hearing that made me a believer. So I watched every season of American Idol from season two all the way, probably until around season eight or so. But on today's show, I'm going to be talking about a few flagship moments on American Idol that I personally remember growing up. And maybe you have these same memories as well. So without further ado, let's jump into some American Idol memories. The first one I've already started talking about a bit, that was the season finale of season one, where Kelly Clarkson became the first ever winner of American Idol. The winner of American Idol 2002 is... (laughs) Kelly Clarkson. Many people were blown away by this young lady's talent. But the question remained, what happened to the other guy? Coming in second that year was Justin Guarini. And after American Idol, there didn't seem to be that much of a presence of him on the charts. His first self-titled album was such a big bomb that RCA Records dropped him. And from there... He actually went on to Broadway to have a pretty good, successful career on the stage. He had roles in American Idiot, Rent, Chicago, Company, and Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. But the thing about Justin Guarini that, to me, is fascinating is how seamlessly he came back into our mainstream culture, and we didn't even know about it. Now, if you're like me, you enjoy a nice, crisp Dr. Pepper. And if you're diabetic, then you're probably drinking the diet kind. What am I getting at here? Do y'all remember the commercials for Diet Dr. Pepper that started airing on national TV in 2015? It featured this small, prince-like guy who would come in and start singing about Diet Dr. Pepper. Don't worry, Lil Sweet brought you some sweet zero-calorie treats called Diet Dr. Peppers. Oh, yeah! His name is Lil Sweet. And he's actually played by Justin Guarini of season one American Idol fame. I low key envy this man's life. Not only did he come in second to Kelly Clarkson, that's a pretty damn good accomplishment if you ask me. Not only did he do that and have a successful career on Broadway, the man probably gets Diet Dr. Pepper for the rest of his life for free. He was probably the butt of a lot of jokes back in the day Because, you know, he went on, came second to Kelly Clarkson, and then really didn't show much of a career in the music field afterward. But guess who's laughing now? Guess who has all the stevia-infused goodness of Diet Dr. Pepper at his disposal at any time, at any given day? Justin Mother-Effin' Guarini. On the topic of his acting career, Justin Guarini actually starred in a movie with Kelly Clarkson shortly after the end of American Idol. It was called From Justin to Kelly. Y'all remember this movie? This summer, come with us to Miami. It's not my scene. Music will bring two strangers together. Hey, they go from the beach. And nothing can come between them. I'm going to ask her again. Except all their friend, Kelly Clarkson. I should take a chance. Justin Guarini. This one's special. In the musical event of the summer justin to kelly yo the trailer that i found on youtube is only like 32 seconds that's only 32 seconds that fox was willing to put out of this movie to try to get people to watch it because they probably knew that they had a dumpster fire on their hands and nobody nobody's gonna go see from justin to kelly nobody asked for from justin to kelly not even justin and kelly I'm reading an article on VanityFair.com from last year where Kelly Clarks is talking about her experience on the set of From Justin to Kelly. And she said that she flat out cried that the movie was something she didn't want to do. She was on the show to be a singer. So why the hell did her contract say if she won, she had to be in a movie? And not just any movie people. She was contractually obligated to be in From Justin to Kelly. From Justin to Kelly is the from Justin to Kelly of bad movies. And that's saying a lot coming from me. I love watching bad movies. I get a good kick out of them. But from Justin to Kelly, I haven't seen it. Maybe I will. But up to this point, i don't I don't want to I don't want to go there, man. Clarkson said in the interview that she believes that the release of her first single, Miss Independent really saved her career. Because if it wasn't for that, ew, maybe she'd be out here selling Diet Dr. Pib, which would be even worse than Diet Dr. Pepper, which is what I'm saying. Justin Guarini, you're my hero. Now, we all know that Ryan Seacrest has been the host of the show since day one. Even when they brought it back on ABC a few years back, Ryan Seacrest came back with them. So do y'all remember the name Brian Dunkelman? Does that ring a bell? Miami was last in line for our auditions and the last chance for American Idol hopefuls. Dunkelman was actually the co-host on season one. A lot of people don't seem to remember that. I didn't even remember it until I looked up the clip of Kelly Clarkson winning and I was like, yo, who the other dude on the stage? How'd he get up there? So I decided to put on my Sherlock cap on and do a little sleuthing around on the interwebs to find out exactly what happened to Mr. Brian Dunkelman. Despite rumors that he was fired on the show, he actually quit himself. He said he left the show because of the mistreatment of contestants, the staging of fights between the judges, and also things like reshooting the contestants singing their songs, but with fake artificial tears in their eyes. So pretty much just telling us that the Easter Bunny ain't real, you know? I do have to applaud Mr. Dunkelman for sticking to some ethical roots. Um, Not a lot of people in the show business tend to do that, so I applaud him, even if it meant losing out on millions, and millions, and millions, and millions, and millions, and a couple hundred thousand dollars. So what is he up to now? Turns out Brian Dunkelman still is in the entertainment business. He left American Idol to focus on his stand-up comedy career, and he can be seen in a couple of TV shows and voice roles on televisions. And it doesn't seem, at least from the interviews that I've read, that he regrets his decision to leave American Idol. So America got hooked on American Idol after seeing the season one finale. Moving on to season two, it really blew up. And I'm just going to fast forward to the end, because that's all we really care about, ain't it? I'm talking about the showdown between Ruben Stuttered and Clay Aiken. I'm fly- Ultimately, Ruben Studdard came out on top with his soulful, gospely vibe. But it was really Clay Aiken who found the most success, at least immediately following American Idol. While both of them had debut albums in 2003, it was really Clay Aiken's solo album Measure of a Man that really, really took off. It debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 with, get this, 613,000 copies sold In its first week alone. That is over half a million copies in seven days from this up-and-comer who just pretty much graduated from a TV show. That is fantastic. And you know that the highest debut for a solo artist before that, do you know who he took the record from? Mr. Snoop Doggy Dog with his doggy style album in 1993. Ruben didn't do too shabby, his album did go platinum and it did hit the number one on the Billboard 200, selling 417,000 copies in its first week, and going platinum, which is something that we shouldn't ignore, but it's just interesting when the runner up tends to sell more than the winner. But how was the content? Now personally, I'm a sucker for cheese, I love me some queso dip. So the song Invisible by Clay Aiken, that's as cheesy as you can get. I would be the if I was invisible. I am. So I love that song as much as I like the sorry song from Ruben. Girl, this is my sorry for 2004. And I ain't gonna mess up no. I liked Clay's single better, even though I did vote for Ruben on my old brick-like Nokia phone. You know, the one that had like one game. It was just Snake, where you're playing is like a snake eating little dots. But in reality, the graphics are so crappy, it's just like a line following a little dot. Anyway, I'm getting off track here. So what ended up happening with Ruben and Clay? Well, they actually joined forces not too long ago in 2018 to put on a Christmas show on Broadway. Reuben and Clay's Christmas Show, a.k.a. Reuben and Clay's first annual Christmas Carol Family Fun Pageant Spectacular Reunion Show. I did not make that up, by the way. Hi, I'm Ruben Studdard, and he's the person that lost to Reuben Studdard. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about Reuben and Clay's first annual Christmas Carol Family Fun Pageant Spectacular Reunion Show. Have you seen? It was a showcase of their talents and their songs, and them just getting along, all brotherly and such, singing holly jolly carols. He looks like like an elf, like, an, like Christmas, <laughs> like an elf. I mean, don't no, you just, say? I mean, just you just look like Christmas? I do. Just when really I see spirited. you, I just, when I see you, I want like a peppermint Java. <laughs> Personally, I wish them all the best. I think it's great that they're doing this Broadway show together, and hell, it sure beats having to make something like From Ruben to Clay. At least they didn't have to do that. Okay, so we talked a bit about the good, but the thing I found most interesting about American Idol is how it brought the nation together through scheidenfreude. For those of you who don't know what that means, it really means just the enjoyment of someone having a misfortune. So many of us, at least, speaking personally, I know I did this, tuned into American Idol more so towards the beginning of the seasons, mainly to see the contestants who weren't too good. Like a virgin. Touch for the bad first time. Like a virgin. Like after watching that clip, Simon already knows this dude is bad, from like the first note that comes out of his mouth, yet he asks him to do another song. Okay, do you do another song? Okay, I'm gonna do I Wanna Dance With Somebody. Okay. Oh. Clock strikes upon the hour and the sun begins to fade. Last year I described someone as being the worst singer in America. I think you're possibly the worst singer in the world. That's. F- up, and that's kind of how all of America kind of took in American Idol during this time. I, I hate to say that American Idol like attributed to millennial cynicism, but I, I think it kind of did. But m- my favorite stories out of this was when someone would go on American Idol that was really bad but was truly passionate about what they were doing so passionate that they actually found some success in their careers. Enter William Hung. She bangs, she bangs. (laughs) Oh, baby, but she moves, she moves. I go crazy because she looks like a flower, but she stings like a bee. Like every girl in history. She bangs, she bangs. William Hung made his debut on American Idol in 2004 on season three, where he sang the seminal Ricky Martin classic, She Bangs. After that, Hung became a household name, and he used this newfound popularity to record and release not one, not two, but three. Three studio albums, the first of which I actually own. I actually bought the William Hung debut album, Inspiration. And honestly, if it wasn't for his rendition of I Believe I Can Fly, I may not have gotten through adolescence. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. His second album was a Christmas-themed CD called Hung for the Holidays. That's that's all I'll say about that. And his third and final album was released in 2005. It was called Miracle Happy Summer from William Hung. And not only that, he even got some cool-ass TV spots. There's a great bit in Arrested Development where William Hung makes a cameo as himself, as the lead singer on this courtroom show, and his band is called Hung Jury. Well, it looks like we've got a mistrial, but on the plus side, we've also got a Hung Jury. Hit it! The only other contestant that had a comparable amount of fame due to singing poorly is General Larry Platt, and I don't know if y'all remember him, but I, I, I think you remember his song. Pants on the ground, pants on the ground, looking like a fool with your pants on the ground, with the gold in your mouth, hat turned sideways, pan hit the ground, call yourself a cool cat looking like a fool, walking downtown with your pants on the ground, giddy up. <laughs> I personally remember Pants on the Ground being one of my favorite songs in 2010. In fact, this is just a little personal aside. In high school, my junior year, I wrote and directed a musical for theater class. And at one point during the show, I had an actor come out dressed like a giant bear and start crumping to the Pants on the Ground song. That's how much that song was ingrained in popular culture. Cause I know I wasn't the only one jamming to this. I even heard it on the radio. That's how widespread that got. And one of the biggest and best crossovers of all time, you know, Screw Avengers, my favorite crossover was when William Hung came out on stage with General Larry Platt. To perform "Pants on the Ground" on the American Idol stage on the season nine finale. Now, during season five of American Idol, whenever a contestant was getting sent home, like during the semifinals and the finals, they would send them off with a really, really sad montage. Set to this song. song That song became one of the biggest one-hit wonders of all time, I believe, mainly because of American Idol. Now, I did like the song. It's a good song. But Daniel Powder's other music didn't quite reach that height. I believe that's the only song of his that hit number one on the charts. Here is the ironic thing about it. Daniel Powder didn't even watch American Idol at the time that his song was playing off all these people. In an interview with MTV.com back in 2006, he said that it would kind of break his heart to watch all of the contestants like get sent off, especially to his own music. If you were on American Idol and you heard Daniel Powder's Bad Day, that was like the equivalent of hearing The Reigns of Castamere at The Red Wedding. And that's my dated Game of Thrones reference for the episode. Thank you very much. Now, what's even more sad than hearing that depressing track play you off into the unknown future of your musical career is having the phone number that people are calling to vote for you redirect you to a phone sex hotline. That exact thing happened in Season 8. Towards the end of that season, if you wanted to call in and vote for Alexis Grace... You would be greeted not by the typical thank you message that you get whenever you call in to vote for American Idol. No, no, no. What you were instead greeted with was an automated message from intimate encounters. And I know because I actually tried this hotline when this whole scandal was happening just to see if I heard it myself. And I did. Now, don't get me wrong. I was a teenager at this time. So, of course, the hormones are raging. But I did not pay to talk to anybody on that line. I'm saying it right here on the show, folks. Put it on the record. Did I call it so that I could hear it and put it on speaker and make my friends laugh? Yes, I did. Did I stay on the line? No. And if any past phone bills show otherwise, I, I rebuke them. They have been rebuked. Before I log off for the day, I'm gonna just bring up one more bonus nostalgic memory from American Idol. And it's not about the show itself, but rather a often-forgotten spin-off that came out right after season two. I'm talking about American Juniors. We're the kids in America, Whoa. We're the kids in America, Whoa. Everybody lives for the music around! Now, American Juniors essentially is just American Idol for kids. And that, within its concept, sounds terrifying. It sounds awful. Because, like, you see how bad these grown adults handled the news that they're not going forward in the competition. Now you had to watch that unfold, but with kids. And that was kind of the bad part about it. Luckily, the producers kind of handled this pretty well. Uh, For example, I don't recall them showing very many or maybe even none at all any of the bad Auditions. They wouldn't show those. They would only show the good ones. And instead of doing a weekly elimination, what they were doing was not having one winner. They were putting together a five-member teen pop band called the American Juniors. So each week, instead of being eliminated, one of the contestants, the one that had the highest amount of votes, would go on to automatically be in the final American Juniors pop group. It wasn't until, like, the series finale that some of the other kids had to get the boot, and that's when all the tears and snot started flying. But they compensated them. I think some of them got, like, trips to, like, Disneyland and Disney World and that kind of stuff. Now, the American Juniors only put out, like, one album, and it had their main single, which they would always sing on the show, and to this day is still an earworm, deeply ingrained in my mind. And if some of you had this earworm and forgot about it, I'm here to put it back in your head so I'm not the only one who has to suffer. One Step Closer, to heaven, baby. One step closer to you. No was their big single. And after that, the American Juniors kind of like went their own ways. The group didn't last. But one of the major success stories that came out of American Juniors was in the form of the career of Lucy Hale. Lucy Hale is an actress that found fame on Pretty Little Liars and then later on in movies like Truth or Dare and Fantasy Island. She was one of the original winners of the competition. She was in that five teen pop group. And to this day, her career has been pretty solid. She's she's doing really well. And some of the other contestants went on to compete on other singing competition shows and other recording endeavors. But yeah, the American Juniors, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who remembers that show. But I tuned in every week because I thought it was so cool that I got like a kid version of American Idol, which as an adult sounds awful. But as a kid, it was kind of like... You know, like those like Tom and Jerry kids or a pup named Scooby-Doo. Like when you see one of your favorite cartoons shrunken down to like child size. I don't know why that was appealing. A lot of a lot of shows did that. But yeah, that was the reality TV show equivalent of that. But yeah, I want to hear from you. If you guys are tuning into this on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a review and let me know what are your favorite American Idol memories. I know there's so many more out there. I want to hear from you, and I'll bring them up on a future show. In addition to Apple Podcasts, we're also on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and on Believe.com. Remember, we're here every Throwback Thursday with new episodes. Follow at Believe Podcasts on Instagram and Twitter for all the updates on upcoming episodes. And also, hey, why not follow me as well, at Giacomo Thillet, that's at G-I-A-C-O-M-O-T-H-I-L-L-E-T, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you got a product that you want to advertise on the show, go over to Believe.com, click on Advertise, and get in touch with the advertising team. Thank you so much for joining me on Believe in Millennial Nostalgia. My name is Giacomo delay and I'll catch you back here next Throwback Thursday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.